0: G'day, and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are currently in a series focused on the book of Romans. Our hope through this time is that we will all push into God through what he says to us through this letter. We're coming from the perspective of Romans chapter 15, verse 14, where Paul says, My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. And able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points. So, there are some incredible things that are true about us, all because of what God has done for us in Christ. But we need regular reminding in order to live up to this reality. So, let's be reminded together, continually reminded. And this particular three week series is called Obligated, and it looks at the three times. That word obligated appears in this letter. What are we obligated to and what are we not? Let's dive in. So there's a bunch of Bibles down here. Any guesses what book of the Bible we're going to be reading from right now? It is Romans. Well done. So feel free to grab one of these Bibles down here. If you've brought one with you, obviously use that. So grab a Bible. And be ready. So, Romans chapter 8. Surprise, surprise. Romans chapter 8. This is a chapter of the Bible uh, that Christy committed to memory before I first met her. And I remember her quoting uh, large portions of it all those years ago. Uh, We are going to be reading from verse 12 to verse 17 of Romans chapter 8. Yeah. So there's a little bit of background on this one. So I caught up with Lockie the day before camp and just suggested, like, oh, let's, you know, memorise a passage together. And, um, so he suggested we read through Romans 8. Let's read through Romans 8 and then we'll pick something in there. And this is what stood out to him. Um, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh. We are not obligated to the flesh and it's interesting that it stood out to Lockie. um for many reasons lockie no i'm joking i'm <laughs> oh, not gonna go down the path it was the day that we got back from camp and i was a bit tired a little bit sick and it was after our 25 days of prayer and fasting and i asked christy um because there was a block of chocolate that was for Emily Byrne, that hadn't got to Emily Byrne. Um, And I was like, do you mind if I eat this and you get another block? Um, And so I had the block of chocolate and I ate a little bit of it. And um, I was like, oh, that's good. And so I went back for some more and then some more. And then it was in the midst of eating some chocolate that um, I was thinking about the things that I hadn't been doing for a little while in this period of prayer and fasting. Um, and so one of those things was that there's a Cricket World Cup on at the moment. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to turn on the TV. I haven't done that for basically a month. I'm going to watch some TV. Everyone in my family was out except for Zipporah, and she was happily doing her own thing. Um, so I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this time, sit down in front of the TV with my block of chocolate, um, and it's going to be fantastic. And then I just had this, this, this moment, this thought where I went, There are many times in my life that I've had a spiritual high and it's been followed by a crash. And there's this opportunity right here, right now, where I've kind of committed myself to do this thing of like, yeah, I'm going to be going hard after the things of the Spirit for this 25 days. But right here, right now, I've finished all that. I'm tired. It's the end of camp. I've got all the excuses in my head. As to why I should just chill out and do something else, but what if I pick up the Bible and just have a read of that passage that stood out to Lockie? And so, I went to my room, opened the Bible, and started reading, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to live; we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And the thing that hit me is that something is going to die. Either I am going to die or the flesh, the desires of the flesh are going to die. Something is going to die and so I was mulling over this as I went back to get more chocolate (laughs) and as I think everyone's aware certainly those that have some dietary sensitivities may be more aware than others but there are many times everyone knows what the regret feels like when you've just eaten too much and you've indulged in too much of a good thing and so I had this moment and going, I choose to not do what I feel like doing in this moment of just vegging out, eating chocolate. I choose to actually press in to listen to what God is saying to me and to seek to put it into practice. I could give you so many examples that make me sound a lot worse than the one I've just given you, but I thought I'd go for a positive example, a time where I chose not to continue to indulge the flesh and just do what i felt like doing but rather take a moment and come to that understanding that something has to die it is good news i think it might have been my dad that said amen just then when i said we are not obligated to the flesh it is good news that we are not obligated to the flesh it is good news that we do not have to do what we feel like doing i am not obligated to finish off the entire block of salty dark chocolate. <laughs> I am not obligated to buy the latest iPhone. You know, you have those moments we're talking about last night, Dave, you see it and like iPhone has a number 14 now. Pretty sure that's better than mine. There is this, this seed and a seed that we choose what to do with that temptation is a seed. And the thing about a seed is it can die very easily. A seed is very vulnerable. If you don't give that seed a place to plant, if you don't nourish that seed with what it's requiring in order to grow, it will die. And depending on your theology... That seed, that temptation may be outside of you. It may be inside of you. But either way, I think we can all agree that the seed is easily dropped to the ground. When that temptation comes, you have not sinned. The temptation comes, it is an invitation to sin in the form of a seed. And you choose to drop it to the ground and it will die. It says that we do this by the Spirit. But if... By the Spirit, you put... Now, I'm going to read it because I've just lost my train of thought. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do we do it? We do it by the Spirit. Why do we need the Spirit? Because apart from Him, when we're not focused on Him, everything else seems a lot more tempting. The lure of the flesh is reduced massively if our eyes are fixed on him. He changes absolutely everything. Suddenly, the person cutting you off on the road doesn't necessitate a massive blow-up from you. Something has to die. And maybe in that moment, you're like, I choose that person that's cut me off. They're going to die. No. You do not have to indulge that. You don't have to partner with that and give it a place to land, a place to grow. Because you will die. If you choose to allow that to come in and to dominate and take over, then you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, drop it on the ground. Drop that seed on the ground. I am not obligated to buy the latest iPhone. I am not obligated to react to the driver that just cut me off. I'm not obligated to react to that irrational behavior that was just directed at me. I'm not obligated to binge watch that entire series tonight. I am not a slave of my desires, and neither are you. I find it interesting the way that Paul uh, addresses this because he starts off with a we. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And then he's like, now you're on your own. Because if you live according to the flesh, Paul's like, I have already decided I am not living according to the flesh. That is done. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons many translations say children and that's more socially acceptable this one says sons and the reason it says sons is because that's what the original says and being a son in that culture meant certain privileges that daughters didn't get but here's the thing it's addressed to brothers and sisters everyone has the rights of a firstborn son from that culture which is a name that endures, which is an inheritance that is yours. Everyone is on an equal playing field. Everyone gets to have that privilege and that place. It is good news that we are not obligated to the flesh. Verse 15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You are not obligated to the flesh, and you are not obligated to fear. So, the flesh is all of these things that are symptoms of our fear and symptoms of our disordered desires. So, this goes deeper. The the fear of I'm not enough or the fear that I need everyone to know that I am enough is huge. And we are not obligated to that fear. You don't have to prove yourself. You have nothing to prove. He has paid the highest price for you that has ever been paid for anything, full stop. There's nothing left to prove. The gospel is that you have already arrived. It's not, here's what you need to do. Here's the next steps. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. It is a declaration of what is already true, what has already happened. And if we receive the reality of who he is and what he has done for us, that's how perfect love casts out all fear. His perfect love in us completely changes our understanding, our perception, our life. All of a sudden, we're not seeking after these things to try and prove ourselves, but rather we're just receiving what he says. We know that we've already arrived. We're already loved, already chosen. Like, fear can be a big motivator. And praise God for fear. Fear is helpful. It is helpful to be afraid of things that will kill you. Every parent is grateful that their kids have fear of dangerous things it was one of the scariest things i've ever seen to see esther when she was probably about one just slip into a pool and show no resistance whatsoever so she was going and she went under as i was coming towards her there was no sense of alarm she just quietly sunk down into the water and i was there within no time at all but enough time to see that there was no panic no fear no trying to rescue herself so i praise god for fear i praise god that we don't do things that will kill us because there is a sense of fear but there are many things that we ought to be doing that we don't do because we are afraid and that's our disordered desires that's a lack of understanding of who we are because of what he has done and what he has declared over us We don't want fear as our primary motivator. We want love as our primary motivator. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never ends is the CSB. That's what we want to be our motivator. And how do we get there? Absolutely. It's the knowledge that we are not obligated to the flesh. We are not obligated to fear. So the word obligated... Is sometimes translated as indebted. We have no debt to the flesh. We don't owe our flesh anything. We don't owe fear anything. But the great news is that He is obligated to us. God the Father has obligated Himself to us, He is our Father. It is not the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but rather it is the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Nick pointed out the reverse of Jesus' baptism. Jesus is baptized and then the Father declares, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. In what we just read here, We are the ones who cry out, Abba, Father. Both things are beautiful to have his declaration over us, but also as though we are Jesus with that confidence crying out to him. You can argue I'm a pretty bad dad because Esther found herself in that predicament in the water all those years ago. But you also acknowledge that I did what I could in that moment to rescue her. We have a much better father who rescues us, who has obligated himself to us. Because he is obligated to us, we do not need to fear. We do not need to give in to the flesh. It is that seed that we just let fall to the ground. Something that I found helpful over recent years has been when you're thinking about that temptation, for whatever it is, that temptation is a seed, there are times... We've basically got a few options. We can indulge it. Whatever that thought is, we can just go with it and do it. So that's an option, which is obviously sin. Another option is to feel guilty about the fact that we just thought about it. Like, oh man, I've been a Christian for how long and I'm still struggling with this or I'm a dad or I'm a pastor, whatever it is. You're like, how could I? You start feeling guilty about having that temptation. Or, You can be like, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, and we all know it just doesn't work. Obviously, that focuses us in on the thing that we're trying to avoid. All three of those things point us to the sin deeper and deeper and deeper. A wonderful alternative is just to go, oh, that's interesting. There are many times that i found that tempting. Thank you, Lord, that you are everything I need. Thank you, Lord, that I never have to give in to this piddly little seed ever again. I can let it fall to the ground and I can worship you because you saved me when I was your enemy. You saved me when I was a sinner. You saved me when I had nothing to offer you. It is all you. You have redeemed me. What a privilege to be called by your name. What a privilege to belong to you. What a privilege to worship you right now. Thank you for the temptation that just turned my heart towards you. Thank you that I get you. What a privilege. What an honor. I want to live in that fourth option. I want to live in that space where it doesn't matter what comes at me because it's only going to be fuel that will point me back to Jesus. We are all vulnerable in different ways. We are not incapable of sin and we can all testify to that. But we are also not obligated to it. Not obligated to sin, not obligated to the flesh. God the Father is obligated to us. And if you want proof that He is obligated to us, it's that we are not only children, but we are heirs. Heirs of God and co heirs with Christ. What's the proviso in there? If we suffer with him so that we will also be glorified with him that's the bit where we respond to his obligation to us he's obliged himself to us and then we are obliged to him and we say like moses did with his life that we would rather enjoy god himself than the pleasures of all of egypt you know we would rather scorn for his name than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time there will be times that it is hard there will be times that it feels hard in order to follow him it will feel like a death but he's already died declaring his love for you he is obligated to us, and so we return the favour. It's not this obli- we're obliged to him, and because of that, we're hoping that one day he'll return the favour to us. Of course not. It's because of what he has done for us, and so we gladly respond to him. He is good, and he is here. I invite you to stand to your feet, and invite the worship team to come out and to lead us once again. And this was just a bit of a test to see if, if Lockie was paying attention when he sent me the message to ask him what I was preaching on. And um, I was like, there's a fairly good chance that we're going to be singing I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I'm not going to request it. I'm just going to tell him what the Bible passage is and I'll let the Holy Spirit and Lockie work it out for themselves. But we get right now to declare that we are no longer a slave to fear. We are no longer a slave to our disordered desires, the things that tempt us and pull us, but rather we are children of God. What a Savior we have, sufficient for us, even us, to redeem us fully. Amazing. Let's lift our hearts and worship Him.